Uh, well, good morning once again. <clears throat> For those of you who don't know me, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at Downtown Community Church. I don't know if I said that earlier, so I wanted to make sure that you knew who I was. And today, uh, we, uh, as we kick off the year together, uh, we want you to know that uh, we're, we're changing up the format just a little bit on Sundays. Uh, for many of you, it won't really feel that much different, uh, but we're going to be online only for the first three months of the year. And most of us were online only anyway, but we're changing the format just a little bit where we've always been live on Sunday morning, but now we're going to be doing our service pre-recorded a day or so before the service. And uh, that's going to open up opportunities for us to engage you better. It's going to allow many of you to hopefully be submitting videos that will be part of our service so we uh, can be encouraging one another in, uh, in different ways and hopefully in greater ways as you engage. But it's also going to be, it's actually part of a purpose for us to, uh, to turn our resources and our energies, especially on Sundays, to be focused on you and pastoring you and shepherding one another and encouraging one another. And so we want to focus our energies towards that and uh, using the time that we have on Sundays to be uh, focused on one another, even in our classes and after and all those different types of things. And so today uh, we are coming to you from, uh, from the lively, from Nimbus Dance Studios here on Warren Street. And so Nimbus Dance is this amazing new facility that's at what was called the Lively here. And so we have the privilege of recording from here today. And so I also just want to say full disclosure that I am recording this on Thursday evening, and this has only been 24 hours since everything that transpired this week on Capitol Hill on Wednesday. And so for me, it's very fresh. And my plan was actually I had this whole plan of what we were going to talk about today as we engage the new year together. And so that whole thing has been blown up, and, uh, and so I've, I've pretty much scrapped that plan. And uh, we'll probably talk about that next week on next Sunday. But really today, I just want to address what we've seen this week and what we've experienced. And uh, essentially, I think for many of us, we're hoping as we go into a new year that we can experience a lot of, of, of good things beginning. And even though we know that COVID is still hitting us very hard there's still this kind of hope as we begin to turn the page and move forward. That's what the new year has always represented for us. But uh, we, were, we were hit very hard with a crisis on Wednesday, with Capitol Hill being stormed by a mob and, and violence and unrest and things that really were deplorable for us to see. And, and I would think for many of us, it, it shook you. I know some of you are saying, you know, I, I, I'm able to trust God in this. I'm, I'm, I, am, I have peace in him, even though these, these things are happening. But... Um, but we're also been very stressed. And so suddenly it raises in us stress and fear. And if I'm honest, as I'm watching things unfold yesterday for me, and it was several days ago now for you, um, it, it raised a lot of fear in me watching this happen. It seemed like Rome was, was falling. That's the kind of feeling that you had, at least that I had. And one of the reasons why I want to talk about this today is one of the major themes that you kind of see played, whether it was very prominent for you or maybe uh, kind of an underlying thing that we see coming out in it, is religion. And maybe this is a little more obvious to me since I am a pastor of a church here, but, but uh, religion is definitely played, seemed to be a very strong uh, thing that you see playing out in it. And what we see then are all these mixed messages. We're, we're seeing violence taking place 
on a very serious scale from people and from a group that have said that they condemned violence. We see posters with the words, Jesus saves on it, in the middle of the mob of people, right next to and along with blatant symbols of racism and hatred going on. Like, that's not okay. And I think for many of you that, that watch that and see that and see a lot of the rhetoric that's come out of this camp and from others that have embraced religion and specifically Christianity, I would say. And I think for many people, they're like, that's it. That's why I don't follow God. That's why I've walked away from him. And I, and I can understand greatly emotions, seeing these images and tying them together. And what we see is just this great hypocrisy. And I want to say that there's a lot of anger that comes from me, from people that are professing to be Christians, but taking actions like this. It needs to be condemned, and it's not okay. And you see this hypocrisy. And we have a group of people with their idols and their agenda have been put ahead of Christ and, what, and who he says that we should be. And it's important for you to hear from me, your pastor, to hear this out loud, to say that this isn't okay. And it communicates to the world things that make them want to walk away from God. And we want to say this is not the God that we serve, that they are chasing idols. They are chasing an agenda that is not what Christ has taught us to be and what he died for. As a pastor in Minnesota, his name is John Piper, and, and he's an older guy, and uh, he, he's a little bit old school, and, but um, there's a lot of things that I do respect about him. And he said this uh, about this whole thing, and this was actually before the election took place, but um, he says Christians communicate a falsehood to those, he's talking about to those who don't know Christ. He says Christians are communicating a falsehood to them. And, and, these, and those who don't know Christ, they're baffled by this. When we act as if policies and laws that protect life and freedom are more precious than being a certain kind of person. And he is speaking specifically to elected officials running for presidency. He says, the church is paying dearly and will continue to pay for our communicating this falsehood year after year. He says the justifications for ranking the destructive efforts of persons below the destructive efforts of policy ring hollow. He says trying to justify a destructive person and arrogance and pride and all these things that we see displayed, specifically from our current president, and, and ranking them below destructive policies, this is ringing hollow to people on the outside of the church. Piper says, I find it bewildering that Christians can be so sure that greater damage will be done by bad judges or bad laws or bad policies than is being done by the culture-infecting spread of the gangrene of sinful self-exaltation, boasting, and strife-stirring. And what he is saying is that the sin, whatever you, you know, when you define sin, that word, what we see in the scriptures in the New Testament, it talks about the sin of pride, the self-exaltation, of boasting, and then of strife stirring. These are egregious things. And they cause great 
destruction, and we've downplayed them. The world sees this hypocrisy. And I want to say to you today that this is not okay. And we've seen the consequences of this festering sin play out this week. And it's horrible. And so that's the first thing that I wanted to make sure that we knew that I communicated to you. And so as we've watched this happen, it's built back up, I think for many of us, significant anxiety and fear and all these things that we've been confronted with in a significant way the, the past 12 months. And some of you have heard, are you trusting God, that you are, you are faithful in this and you are okay? And that's great. But a lot of us aren't there, and we've been confronted once again with fear. And so I want to go back to what we actually talked about, if you're with us, back in April, about fear. This is found in 1 John 4.18, and here's what it says. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. We're afraid of, of God coming and punishing us. He says, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And it's saying when God is present, because of what Christ has done, we don't have to fear that punishment anymore. Perfect love drives out fear. And God wants us to know. God wants you to know a life where fear is put in its place. Do you remember this? We talked about this a long time ago. It says the, the passage says perfect love drives out fear. It's not that you'll never experience fear is there. It's going to come into your life. It's just that it isn't allowed to stay. It isn't allowed to stay. Fear has a healthy role in your life. It motivates you to pay attention. It alerts you to danger. These are very important and good things. It allows us to respond to danger appropriately when all these things happen. But fear is not to sit at the boardroom of your life. It doesn't have a seat at that table. And so the fear is the person is the corner office in the back, the smallest place you can possibly find. There's crazy you know, boxes stacked up with papers everywhere. And fear comes running in and says, hey, this is going on. But it doesn't sit at the table and run everything in your life. It lets you know what's happening. You say, thank you. We'll take it from here. It does not live in the board room. It's there to alert us. God wants you to know a life where fear is put in its place. Say, okay. All right, well then, how do we live without that? How do we respond to troubles? And specifically, how do we respond when troubles keep coming? If you're honest, and if I'm honest, we want it to go away. We want it to go away. I'm ready for months of happiness. <laughs> and that day will come. There's seasons in life. But it's not coming as quickly as you might want. And I just want to say the troubles are not just going to all of a sudden go away. They won't. We will always have trouble in our life. We want it to go away. But as, as your loving friend, as your loving pastor, I want you to know that 
Troubles aren't just going to suddenly be disappearing forever. It won't always go away. So how do we respond to troubles? I want to read from these passages in Romans where the Apostle Paul is, is speaking to a people who are going through years of trouble, facing significant hardship. He says this, Romans 8, 31, he says, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who's going to take that away, he says. He says, what's going to happen that's going to cause this, his love to go away from us and our peace in him? He gives examples. He says, shall, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness, whatever that is, right, or danger or sword. He says, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. He's like, are any of those things going to separate us? Paul says, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, we can add mob in there, <laughs> nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will be able to separate you from that from that hope that we know that we have in him and the peace that we have. So we say, wait a minute. Like We say, okay, the most powerful one in the world, God, who we believe in, is for us. You don't have to fear anymore. But then he says, we're being slaughtered. We're actually facing death. How does that happen? And we say, I thought having the strongest one for us meant that we don't get slaughtered. I thought it meant no famine, no more mobs. I definitely thought it meant no nakedness. Not danger, nor sword, nor gun, whatever it may be. I thought it meant I'd be safe. And if we're honest about ourselves in, in New Jersey City in America, we thought it meant we'd be happy all the time. And if I can't be safe and happy and protected, how can I not be afraid. We've talked about this, and then events happened this week that bring this all up, and it's all been tested, and we're like, I'm suddenly responding in anxiety, and, I'm, and we, we still have it in our hearts that I thought following him meant we wouldn't feel all these things. But we do. We do. And so in order to understand this passage, you not only have to see what's after the verses that we're reading, but you have to see what's before. So from the beginning of this chapter, of this section of this letter that he's written, he's been talking about pain. Paul, the Apostle Paul, has been talking about pain. He's been engaging with his group of people who are experiencing. And so we're going to go back before what I just read. And here's what he says. 
He says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. He's like, he is, Paul's like, he's fighting for us. He's praying for us. He's working on our behalf, praying for us when we don't even have the words. I think a week like we've experienced is we don't have the words for this. We don't know what's going to happen. So he's there with us, fighting for us. And Paul continues. He says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This is the key to the whole passage. God is working together in all things. He's working it together for the good of those who love God and are called into his purpose. But he says this, he's, he's chose you to become like his son. That his, his purpose for you is the best thing that you could ever pursue. He is using all things in your life to build up who you are. You are becoming someone to become like his son. It's why Paul can then say, what shall we say about what such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could ever be against us? Christ's pursuit of you is to make you like Christ. And so he's using all things. It's a process. It's a process. And when you think you've learned it, you're experiencing something that will test it. We've experienced things this week that's brought us back into this. And we, we experience pain and stress, anxiety, whatever it may be. And there are other things that are happening in your own lives that you could add to this. And it's painful. And we hate pain. We hate pain. We see nothing good in it. <laughs> we run away from it. But God looks at it another way. James 1, 2 through 4, a key verse for us last year. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I wouldn't say that that's what we wanted this week, right? He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. He's saying, lean in, don't run away. For when your endurance is fully developed, it's these active phrases, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. God is doing a work in you through this and through all things. Pain, pain is not something to eliminate. Pain is actually crucial to becoming like Christ. In my own life, I can tell you today that I am decidedly less fearful because I've seen God use my pain, the experiences that I've walked through, in working to increase my experience of 
him and my experiences of his fruit in my life. This is learned from pain. Walking through hardship, losing apartments, and going through natural disasters and, and, and feeling like my life is in chaos, losing my job and, and having to move into several different places and in and, and Jersey City alone, just in being in tons and tons of different apartments and what felt like constant chaos for years. It was hard. It was painful. And, and I've had relationships break. I've had people betray me and lie about me. And I've had all these different things happen. And it was very painful. And I've said out to God, tell God, take this away. I prayed it for weeks. And he didn't. And I've learned to lean in. And I finally realized that it's not going anywhere. And say, God, help me to lean into this pain and learn what you're teaching me. And he's taught me. He's helped me to grow in a person and character. He's taught me how to begin to walk away from fear and from my own idols and other things. And he's changed me. And I'm so grateful for it. It is, it is crucial. Pain is crucial in becoming like him. I've learned this in pain. And so you can't run. We have to, in faith, keep pursuing. And the key part of that is allow him to develop you in it. That's faith. That's taking a step out to say, you're real. I really believe in who you are. I'm ready for, to see you work in my life. God, never waste a pain if you let him. And we know we know, we know, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. Do you believe that? So DCC, this year, this week, this month, my hope and my prayer for you is to engage, to keep connecting, to keep gathering like we are here on Sundays, to get involved and join one of our dinner groups. We're still calling them dinner groups, even though we're not meeting together over dinner. But anyway, that's still what we're calling them. One day, engage in groups, engage with one another, parents and families, engage with the kids' materials that we send each week and lead your kids through them. Keep connecting, even when it's Hard. This is so important for us. And if you've not been able to connect to a community here in Jersey City, that's what we are here for, is what we're passionate about, connecting you to community. But this week, let's get hyper-focused. This week, what is a source of pain in your life? What is a source of pain for you? You know what that is right now. <laughs> Instead of asking God to take it away, ask, how can God use it, not eliminate it? How will you engage him with it?
Maybe you, you say, I, I, I'm on this journey. I don't even yet believe in God. And, and I think this is a, an awesome opportunity for you to engage him. Take a step of saying a prayer to him. Maybe you can begin to experience him in this. Definitely reach out to us through this connect button. We'd love to help you take that step of engaging. Not believing, just beginning to engage him. This week, how can God use the pain in your life? Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. God, we thank you that we can know today that you are with us. there's so many incredible things that we can stand on to know that you, who you are, that you are here, and that you care about us. You've not left us alone. I pray that you give us strength to walk through things that are hard and troubles that don't seem to go away. Give us strength to face it, but not alone, with you and with others, and to let you do a work that we would experience the great joy that you bring through all of it. God, I thank you and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.